Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the What's Holding You Back January Writing Challenge edition of the 7am Novelist. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Now this month, we're live talking about everything that might hold a writer back from producing the work they want to write and how they might overcome those roadblocks. Today, we get to hear from three writers, Christine Murphy, Casey LeBlanc, and Aaron Hamburger. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being on the show. Good morning. Hello. Again, I want to remind folks that you still have time to submit your own pieces of questions about what's holding you back. You can submit them in a one minute recording. You can do that on your phone. There's lots of apps on your phone that you can do that and just send it to 7amnovelist at substock.com. You can also write it in a short paragraph that's under 200 words. Um, Specifics is helpful and we can still use a lot of those. So get your thinking caps on and uh, I'd love to have your voice on the show too though. I really love those voice recordings. Okay, so Christine is a graduate of the Grub Street's Novel Incubator Program. Her novel, Notes of Surviving the Fire, is under contract and forthcoming in spring of 2025. Casey LeBlanc is a graduate of Grub Street's Novel Incubator Program, just because we have so many wonderful graduates. He is also a contributor to Writer Unboxed and the author of Flyboy, his debut YA novel, which will be published by Balzer Bray, HarperCollins in May 2024. So that's coming up this spring. And Aaron Hamburger is the author of four books, including his latest novel, Hotel Cuba, which released last May. And I also interviewed Aaron this last summer about his books. So if you uh, are looking to for more information and hearing more from Aaron about Hotel Cuba, you can do a search on our Substack page and find that interview. Okay, we're gonna get right to our listener's question. And this is Amy, and she's talking about trying to start her second book. Here she goes. Hi, I just finished my first novel and I'm in the query trenches. While I wait, I am struggling to start my second book. With my first novel, I had no idea what it, what, I, what I was doing, so it almost seemed easier to just start. But now that I've written something and know what the process is like and what I all the beats I'm supposed to hit, I, I feel overwhelmed and I don't know how to begin or what idea to even start with. Do you have any ideas for someone who's finished their first really big project and is trying to start their second? Thanks. Thank you. All right. Okay, I'm going to have Christine start us off. Uh, Christine, what do you think? What would you like to tell Amy about starting her second book after having completed her first and she's querying for her first? Okay, um, I so I wrote a list. It's numbered. It's on a note card. Um, Amy, first of all, querying is the worst. And so I applaud you for immediately thinking about or trying to jump into another project just to distract yourself, keep your spirits up. I think that's a smart thing to do. Um, What I'm hearing in your question, though, is that you are thinking maybe there's a way now that you've done a messy, the the very messy process of bringing a novel into the, the world that you can make it less messy the next time. You can make the process smoother. And I would argue that that is um, actually prohibit- inhibiting you. Um, novels start out big piles of mess. And you know the analogy that's so frequently used is that 
a sculptor gets the clay and they mold a novelist has to make the clay and then start molding and you can't outthink outplan outplot out outline the messy process of of I, I don't know I don't know how you get clay but like going to the river digging up the mud whatever um <clears throat> I would tell you to lean into the mess uh partly because querying it's not messy it's actually very systematic but it's very painful so you can balance your energy you're putting into your writing with this very bureaucratic task you're doing over here with the messiest part of writing which is a first draft um <clears throat> so books always start out messy that's the way it is um second comment I would say every book is a new book. And while we learn things with each book we write, um, you will need to learn to write this next book. And um, in my experience, now I've got my first book coming out, but I've written a few. I'm now working on um, another book. Every book is not only a new book, but it's also in many ways always a second book because it can be the first book you've written after you queried one. It can be the the next book you've written after you've gotten an agent, but you died on submission. It can be the next book you've written after a book came out, regardless of reviews, right? So um, you are in a position where you've got this book you finished in the query trenches in the back of your mind. And now you're working on another book. But I guarantee you, once you get your agent, sorry, my little kitty's jumping in here, um, you will be in this second book realm again and again. So um, I found it really helpful to just accept that every book I write is brand new. And I'm almost I have to learn how to be the writer to write that book, which again, is really leaning into the messy part of a first draft. Um, Third comment, <clears throat> be careful of how what you're comparing. You know, I always like to think you start a first draft and it's ground zero, you're at sea level. And then you're working on drafts, you're revising, you get feedback, you're revising, you're climbing up to like 36,000 feet. And if you're querying, you're editing, <clears throat> you, you've sold it, it's on bookshelves, you're at like, I don't know, very, very high, right? Like skydiving level height. And then you start all over again and you're back at sea level with another book. So if you're, you know, memory bias is very real. So if you're thinking, oh, but my last book was so much easier. Well, maybe it felt easier by the time you got to like the 10th draft and you're querying that draft. But if you can remember all the way back to the initial generative stages, my guess is it was really messy and really difficult back then. So you're not starting your next book at 30,000 feet. You're starting it all the way back at sea level. And that's what happens with every book. Um, <clears throat> and the fourth thing I already said, querying is tough. Having another project is a wonderful distraction. And I actually think getting in the messy, like dig your hands in phase of generative writing is really, really a wonderful fun. I love a first draft. I'm, I'm an unusual writer that way. I don't get writer's block with a first draft. I hate revising which is worse because that's like 95% of the of the writing process. So lean into the mess, have fun, make shit up. Um, and if nothing else, it will help you stop thinking about querying because querying is tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm so glad that you, it's so helpful as you're querying because querying is just will knock you down and do all sorts of terrible things to you. Um, these days as well, a lot of agents ghost you, like they might act, they might act like your best friend at a conference or something that that you've met and and they'll say, oh, I want you to send that book right away. That's going to be a hit. That's amazing. And then you'll query them and you'll never hear from them again. Um, that is very, very common. Just be prepared for it. Um, if it bums you out, just know that it's happening to 
thousands of other people. Um, I, Christine, I love this, that because querying is very systematic and it is kind of awful in that way. Um, so having that creative side going and remembering who you are, that you're a writer. Um, and that's the fun part of it, not just the business part of it, of actually selling a book. Um, so I think that's, that's really important. Casey, how about you? You've been trying to get yourself into your second book now as well. What's going on? Yes. Uh, thank you, Michelle. And first of all, Amy, congrats on finishing the first book and jumping into the query. That's like two separate big things, um, that are both worthy of congratulations so very exciting um yeah I it's like Christine said right this is going to be my second book now that I've sold a book but not the second book I've ever written and you think great you have even more experience no I mean yes but no uh it's it's kind of awful still figuring it out um struggling but you know I think hearing your question right going back to what Christine said right you 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 said like, um, you know, now that I know all the beats I'm supposed to hit, all these things, right? I'm like terrible with that stuff, right? Like I've I've taken the novel incubator where Michelle is like brilliant and goes through all of it. And then I come out and I like still send the book to a friend and I'm like, where is my midpoint? What's those other things I'm supposed to have? Like, do I even have them? And it's like, yeah, it's right here. You just did it. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Um, You know, I think that the good news, right? It's like the bad news is that like, you're aware now, right? Like you're aware of all the things you're supposed to do, all the things that like will need improving. But also you did it just fine when you weren't aware, right? Like it's hard to mess up. It can just take longer, right? Like everything just takes more edits, but you can't really mess it up so badly on the first draft that you can't just keep going as long as you're committed to like changing it, right? Like I, you know, my book flyboy that's coming out in may i'm not even sure how many pretty large revisions it has gone through at least seven eight probably more um and if i were to look back now at the the very first draft of it the one that i used to apply to the novel incubator you know you can you can see how much of the story is the same but i probably two percent of the language the actual words the scenes are in the final book and two percent is probably generous um so you know it's it's part of the process but all the things i wrote you know the characters i had to to cut the location i had to change the the big changes i made which i find really fun to do actually in, in edits um i had to write those the wrong way first because it wasn't really wrong right it was it was one way of trying it out and i learned from it um so I believe you can do that too. But yeah, no, I mean, the struggle is is definitely real. I think if what you want to do right now is to write to distract yourself, then that's its own thing, right? Like, don't worry, you know, about writing to the market or writing to whatever imagined agent you hope will make an offer, what else they will like. Just choose to write for yourself, right? Like, just choose to write to distract yourself. Or if what you really need is a little bit of a break to just read a bunch of books and binge watch a TV show and consume stories in some other way, that's also fine. I'm the kind of writer, you know, there's the ones who'll tell you that the the key to all writing is to wake up at 6 a.m. every single day, 5 a.m. every single day, whatever, and sit down for an hour and not do a single thing till you have words on the page. And that sounds so great. And I wish I could do that. I cannot. <laughs> 
I have ADHD. My writing is something like writing a book in six weeks and then not writing for four months or five months, which I kind of hate sometimes, but but I've done it anyways, right? As long as you keep coming back, you're a writer. So whatever it is that you really need to do here for yourself, do it. You know, don't yeah. just do it because you think it's the right way to be a writer. One thing that I'm thinking about as Casey's talking is too, you know, we set up these ideas for ourselves about what kind of writers we are and what our process is. And, oh, you know, I'm the kind of writer that does this. I'm not the kind of writer that does this, which I think is, is very important because you'll get a lot of pressure from people like, oh, you, you need to do it this way. You need to do it that way, uh, which is all bullshit. Um, do remember, though, that the kind of writer you are, your process might completely change next week, next month, a few years down the line. Um, like Casey, I am, even though I'm doing this podcast, I am actually not an early morning person. I, I am a night owl. I like to stay up late. But in the last few months, I have been waking up at 5.30, 6 a.m. and writing first thing. I've never done that before in my life. It's what's working for me right now. So paying attention to what works for you right now. And if things aren't working for you, try something else. Try something very, very different. Um, and don't let why don't let those ideas like, well, this is who I am and this is who I'm not kind of, you know, lock you in to that sort of process. Um, now, Aaron has got he's published his fourth book. So Aaron. Was it hard every single time? I mean, I'm getting out my third book and I've written, I don't know how many other books in the in the drawer right now, so. Well, boy, I wish I could say it gets easier. It actually gets worse. Um, and let me explain Yay! why. <laughs> so uh, first of all, I wanna say, like I agree with everything, every wise thing that Christine and Casey and Michelle have said so far. and. I can't wait for this um, podcast to be recorded and uploaded so I can send it to all my students because I think this is really wise information indeed. Um, so I was just visiting with my little great nephew who's five years old, um, who has just written a book. Um, he recently read um, Harold and the Purple Crayon. So his book is called Leo and the Violet Crayon. And he was very proud of it. And he showed it to me and he said, yeah, it was very easy. <laughs> to write a book. Here it is. Um, and the reason that it was easy for him is because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> and he also doesn't care. That child part of us doesn't care. We don't know about awards. We don't know about publishing contracts. We don't know about sort of the vast machinery of public approval that we are craving. Like we just want somebody, you know, in our nearest vicinity to pat us on the head and then we're satisfied. But that need kind of grows and grows and grows as we get older. It's something called ego. And so we, as we sort of recognize like how, how awful we all are at writing, because next to Shakespeare and Virginia Woolf and Toni Morrison, we are terrible. So, you know, we, it just comes with the territory. The longer you write, the more sort of awful you realize that you are at it, which doesn't mean that you don't deserve to write. You know, I love to play tennis. I know I will never win Wimbledon. Like I'm 50 years old, like that, that ship has sailed, but that doesn't mean that I don't get to enjoy and benefit and, and, 
you know, get to partake in playing tennis. So I think the first thing is just recognizing that there's a part of you that doesn't want you to succeed at this because your life right now is pretty okay. Everything's fine. Like you probably have maybe a, a dollar or two in your pocket. You're probably wearing clothes. You probably have a roof over your head. You probably have something to eat. And so there's a part of you that doesn't want to risk what is already just okay by going for something that could be really, really great. So as you sit down to write, it says, oh, look at that, isn't that terrible? Why would you go on with this? Why would you continue this thing that's just gonna make you feel bad about yourself? Because the more that you write and the more that you read, the more possibilities that you see that are out there, the more complicated that you realize that this project is, and you sort of shrink from it. So my job as a writer is to fool my ego, is to trick my ego in any way possible. Like Michelle said, whatever works, you know, and I think what we've all been describing here are the various ways in which we trick our ego. And so one of the things that I love to do is when I start a draft and I'm, I'm actually, I'm working on a new book right now and I'm doing this exact process, is I write about what I'm going to write. So it's mm -hmm. like, okay, chapter, you know, maybe chapter one, I have this burst of like inspiration and I forgotten ego because I'm just like excited about this project. And then I get to chapter two and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like a lot more to come. Okay. In chapter two, so um, he's going to uh, get to the airport and then he's going to um, land and then he's going to grab his bags and somebody's going to inspect the bags and then he's going to get through and he's going to have to find a taxi, you know, and I just write about what I'm going to write about. And um, I like to do my first drafts. I, I type them, then I print them out. I edit them, then I type them back in. So I, um, I uh, write them in bold. Anything that I type in bold doesn't count. And so I just do that. And then as I'm going along, then I sort of say, oh, actually, that would be kind of fun to write that little bit. And then maybe I'll do that in like plain type. And then I'll go back later and I'll kind of fix the stuff in bold or I'll be like, oh, I need to find that out later. But it's just anything to kind of get the process started and get the process going. So um, I would say it's really about just tricking your mind and fooling yourself into writing and forgetting about like, how is this going to be received? What is this going to look like? Um, and and go for it and see see what comes out. Right, exactly. I love that. I love that. Um, I mean, just just getting some typing out, just just getting your fingers moving, just you know, set um, an alarm and for fifteen minutes, a half hour, forty five minutes. Turn the light on your uh, laptop way down so you can't even see what you're writing, and just force yourself to move your fingers. And some of that is just is going to be like, oh. I'm stupid. I have nothing to say. I'm so worried about this. I mean, sometimes you might need to get that out of your hands, even those thoughts. Uh, but I love just like writing about what you want to write about because that's that gives you a topic, but you also know that it's not it's 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 summary. It's it's not going to be uh, the book itself, so it's not going to be any good. And can um, I just say also, you can write about the difficulty you're having with the project. Yes. So you could say, you know, I'm having difficulty with chapter two because. Uh, I, I, it relates to something that's happening in my life and I have an emotional difficulty with this or, you know, whatever it is. And then as you start writing about like, and here's why I'm having problems writing about it, 
you may actually write yourself out of the problem. By the way, I love uh, Judith says in the comments, I disagree with Aaron. My life was fine before I committed my novel and I don't have any money. So um, thanks. Thanks for uh, for that comment. I get it, Judith. I get it. <laughs> um. Um, I was going to say something brilliant and now I, I just laughed it out of my head. Um, I do think waking up at, at God awful early morning in the morning or whenever, like I real, I used to think that my ego was heightened in the morning and I needed to wait till later in the day to, to kind of be more free with it. But I'm so tired and out of it when I, when I force myself to get up super, super early that I'm actually still asleep and my judgment is way down. It's, it's still asleep. It doesn't even exist. So that has been helpful in terms of ego. Um, very, very helpful. Uh, Judith also says, I'd love Judith. You're being very active on the chat and I'm very happy with it because you're giving us a lot of good stuff. Judith says, I'm grateful for this discussion because I'm in the final stages of my rewrite and feel sort of alone. My family and friends think I'm a weirdo. Oh yeah, I know that for taking so long to get it done, but what else am I supposed to do? Abandon it? Now it's a very different animal than the one I'm started with. Yes. Um, I remember I saw two, two of my best uh, friends from college and I was I was talking to them about working on the novel that I was working on. And one of my friends said, oh, I thought you already finished and published that book. And I said, <laughs> wouldn't you have known? Wouldn't you have known? I would have told you that the book was finished and it was out there. Um, and Erin in the chat also says that the holidays... She can relate to what Judah says. And she says that the holidays, members of my fa husband's family, very kindly in an attempt to be supportive, asked me throughout our visit, is your novel done yet? Oh, God. You know, so Aaron, Aaron I, I am. I would I'm add so to that. sorry. Yeah. My family um, goes one step further, again, out of love. And they ask, well, how much are the editors changing? Is it even your book still? Like, are you sure they're making the right choices? And um, that's extra fun because it strikes at the core of my own terror of, are they changing too much? Are they making it better or worse? Is it still my book? You know, I what I would say is that, um, so my day job is fundraising. And fundraising is that weird little job where very few people have done it as a profession, but we've all been connected to it in one way, shape or form. Like we've all had somebody call us up and ask for money or whatever. So everyone has an opinion on how it works. Very few people write novels. Most people read or are aware of novelists or novel writing as a concept. So everyone has an opinion on it. And like 99.9% .9 of people, whether they love you or not, have no idea what they're talking about. So I, and again, out of love, I don't really talk about my writing with anyone other than writers. And that is not to be secretive or weird or smug. It's because the responses I get from civilians tend to not be helpful and at worst they can be they can make me spiral a little bit so I just don't discuss it yeah, yeah. I, um, go ahead Kel. oh sorry so I just thinking of a couple of things here one on on that absolutely my my dad is just one of my biggest supporters I love him so much he's he's not a huge reader but he's read the things that I've written and so I think he's read a couple of of drafts later drafts when I was feeling pretty solid on on the book um, and he loved them, which is great. And then, you know, I sold the book and edits and he's like, well, I thought it was really good. Why does, what are you changing? Why do you need edits? Um, and it's like, well, that, this is part of the process. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just, you know, trying to explain that. But, I, but on the time thing, I think part of that is what 
holds me at least back and maybe is holding you back too is that you know looking ahead you know before you did this right I think you could trick yourself into thinking that you know this book you were going to finish it in a, a few months and by next year it was going to be out in the world right and now that you've done it you look back and say wow did I really spend five years on this book before I even got to querying and if, if I get an agent tomorrow and they sell it the next day then oh god is it going to take two years before it's out and and unfortunately yes um I sold my book you know it'll be just shy a little more than two years before it actually is in stores and you know the moment I could announce to you know I was able to tell like some close friends and family that the day of and you know but then you start telling people a few, maybe a few months later and they go oh that's that's so exciting congratulations right you've been talking about writing for the past decade at least you know your whole life whatever and when can I buy it and you have to say in two years and then suddenly there's the day where you can say next year and and now as of five days ago I can say this year which is which is wild um but then I look ahead and I think okay well I've got the second book on my contract but I don't know what it is and I, I don't even I don't really even know the idea yet so that means I haven't even started a first draft really and then I'm gonna have like a second draft and a third draft and well when is it gonna be ready for copy edits and that's gonna be a year before it comes out and that panic is real I'm facing it and somehow you have to shut it down because it's just how it is you know childhood me who always dreamt of being a writer would look at me you know now and go oh why did it take you so long and like I'm 31 I know I'm young right like but like childhood me is like you were supposed to have done that at like 20 and guess what that's just the time it takes so you know and they're we have friends in the novel incubator 50s 60s 70s 80s right still out here doing this work right and that's part of it you're a writer because you choose to write so yeah, yeah. and yeah. before you begin i want to say um one of the people in the chat says how did you all find a writing community i have one friend who is also trying to write a novel but most of my friends while voracious readers are not writers it is really helpful to have those other writers because those are the other crazy people around you, right? Then you can feel a little less crazy. Um, taking a class is really, really helpful. Um, if you find, if you see people on the chat or people um, who have commented on our 7am novelist posts um, that you want to connect with, just uh, write to me at 7amnovelist.substack.com uh, with their name and I'll contact them and ask them if they're interested in reaching out as well. And I'll, and I'll make the connection for you. Oh, um, yeah. Aaron, go ahead. So, you know, I have a friend who's a doctor and uh, everybody keeps coming up to him and they're like, I have a cold, like, what should I do? Or like, you know, I have a sore arm, what should I do? You know, um, people like just relate to him in that way. And can you imagine if like he were having a discussion about his work and he's like a surgeon, he does like something I don't even understand about his work with these lay people who are asking about like, you know, medical, pre-medical advice. So, you know, it's kind of like with us as writers, like when we talk, you know, everybody out there has written something, at least a grocery list, you know, and everybody out there has read something, even like, you know, a piece of paper with words on it. So they think that that sort of qualifies them to sort of like give you writing advice, but, but it doesn't, you know? And so I think, you know, everyone is absolutely right to think about who you're sharing this process with and who you're talking to. And it's really important to talk to other people who um, get it. 
Um, I also I shared this quote in the chat from uh, Ann Tyler, who, yeah, she knows a little something about writing, I would think. And she says, I was standing in the schoolyard waiting for a child when another mother came up to me. Have you found work yet? She asked, or are you still writing? I mean, people, you know, they just, they don't just get it. Right. And they want to help, you know, just they right. want to help. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, like Susie Orman says, sometimes helping is hurting and hurting is helping, you know. Um, so, you know, I think just being careful about that. And also, I would say, you know, I love the comments in the chat, you know, that we've mentioned, you know, go find a writing um, a, a writing community, go to a writing class, for example. But there are so many great books out there that have wonderful sort of writing advice. I mean, Bird by Bird is the classic one by Anne Lamott, but there are so many others out there. And um, I also, I collect quotes. I have like a little file on my computer I call daily quotes. And just when I see them here, there, and everywhere, I just grab them and I just keep them in that file. And sometimes I go back and I just look through those quotes for inspiration. Um, there was one that I actually saw on Twitter, or I don't know what the hell they're calling it, or if it even exists anymore in a, in a year. But um, uh, it was from this author, Terry Pratchett, who once said, the first draft is just you telling yourself the story. So, and it's like, only once you've begun that process can you really start to write the story. So the first draft, you're just telling yourself the story. Um, so just start there and then keep going. And then we can feel sorry for uh, that mother's children. comment <laughs> 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 to Ann Tyler. You know, I was surprised. I was I was shocked when I, I finally got to see the Sistine Chapel. We heard all about Michelangelo. Michelangelo was probably the hardest person on himself possible. I mean, this guy beat himself to death. He he never thought he was a painter. Um, he actually rejected doing the Sistine chapter because chapel because he told the Pope or whoever wanted him to do it, I'm not a painter. Um, and he would even say to himself and write long letters to his friends, I am a failure. I am not a painter. I don't know how to do that. This is Michelangelo. Um, so we all kind of share in this. Christine, what did you want to say? Um, I wanted to follow up with what Aaron said and bring it back to Amy's uh, question, which is, I think it's really important to approach the first draft with having fun and telling yourself the story. And don't don't think, oh, well, now I finished a novel. I'm a quote unquote real writer. Like, well, if I queried that first one, I'm definitely querying this one. And that first one's going to sell. So the, the second one needs to be a great follow up. All of that may very well come to be. But the first novel I, I love I love the Michelangelo quote. Another good one. Um, Google Octavia Butler's letters to her friends. I think Octavia Butler's a genius, and she had a huge amount of self doubt. It, it's mind blowing. Fucking Octavia Butler, like, honey, you bow to no one, and she had terrible self self doubt. So, um, have fun with it. Get messy. Tell the first draft to yourself. And I actually like to tell myself. So with my novel that's coming out, I genuinely believed it would never get published. It was too dark. It was too weird. It's full of rape jokes. I was like, who's going to buy this? No way. The book I'm writing now, I'm telling myself it's only for my parents. It's weird. It's, it's fantasy, but not fantastical. It's romantic, but it's not sexy. Like no one's going to buy this. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, but putting those brackets up where I'm only writing for me, it's very helpful. It allows me to have fun and the marketability component that's, that's way down the road. That's years later. So I think thinking about that too early is actually quite crippling. Um, and I really, I really recommend people just have fun with it, get messy, you know, delete stuff, make shit up. Like, I think that's the best way to, to, 
come up with really interesting clay to then begin to structure something cool. But if you, I don't want to beat this clay metaphor to death, but <laughs> if you have too much, if you're like writing to market too early or trying to anticipate what other people will like, I think you kind of cut off your own legs because people are weird. Readers are weird. Um, who knows what will sell and what won't? I, I wouldn't worry about it. I just write a story that you find really interesting and really fun. And at the very least, then you guarantee that you've enjoyed your time spent at your computer and you like the book. If anybody else does, great, but at least you really enjoy it. So yeah, Christine, I have like 5,000 quotes from Octavia Butler in my like little <laughs> daily quotes file. Um, if you go to LitHub, there's actually like um, a whole bunch of them that you can grab. Um, but she has this one that I just love. She says, I tell the students that there comes a time when you want to either burn it or flush it. Right. But if you keep going, you know, that's what makes you a writer instead of, I wish I was a writer. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you, you just keep going anyway. By the way, I love your clay metaphor. I have a similar, so the main character of Hotel Cuba, who's based on my grandmother is a, um, she makes dresses. Uh, she's a seamstress. And so I use the material metaphor. I say, you know, fashion designers are lucky because other people make the material for them. And then they design like the beautiful gowns out of that material. But as writers, we have to make our own material first and then we yeah. cut the story out of the material. So um, I like the clay one too, though. I, okay, now, um, uh, Casey, it's your turn. You have to come yeah. up with like, What's your fun metaphor? clay material. Uh, well, I, I don't know that I have a metaphor, but I did have a macaroni and cheese. Thinking about you know, we're talking about like the the draft one and write for yourself, and all of that's true. But I think even that sometimes feels like too much pressure, especially if you don't even know like what story idea you're going with, right? Like even calling it draft one, even knowing that it can be as messy as you want and nobody sees it, feels like well, I've committed to an idea and this still needs to be coherent and about the same story. I would suggest, and and now that I'm saying this, I'm going to try it myself just like call it a journal, right? Like every day is just a day. It's not part of one project. You write about whatever. This day you may write about one set of characters. The next day you may just write about your life. The next day you may write about something totally different. And I think if you do that long enough, at some point you'll probably figure out what story you're you're writing. But you may have written a hundred different things, including your grocery grocery list, which was kind of already said. But But if calling it draft one, if it feels like committing to a story is too much, like commit to a hundred, doesn't matter this right which is something now I need to go do myself so <laughs> yeah, we're like oh we should follow our well, own recommendations she knew what she was doing when she chose me for this day because she knew no I've been struggling on book two and I was like Michelle how could you choose me for this I'm like okay. <laughs> I'm so mean um my own and, uh, but so and another thing too just in addition Amy you cannot you cannot plan the book, lots of writers, some writers do plan their books out before they write them, but it, but most writers don't. So this, this, this idea that you'll have an idea before you start writing, that you'll know the beats before you start writing, that you'll know anything at all other than what you might have for lunch that day, which you might also not know, is a problem. So I think lots of people get those ideas through the process of writing. They're only going to find it once their fingers are moving and once they've released themselves on the page. So if you're not letting yourself do that, you are going to really get stuck. Okay, we're gonna to have to go everyone. Thank you so much, Christine, Casey and Aaron, you're absolutely fabulous. And we weren't able to get to you, but if you can make your comments in the chat or let me know afterwards, that would be great.
Um, everyone, you can find our full schedule on our Substack page at 7amnovelist.substack.com. You can subscribe there for updates. You can also find our full range of podcast episodes on that page, including episodes from our past two writing challenges, as well as on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and review our podcast so that we can reach other listeners. All right, Christine, any final words about breaking through your writing obstacles? I, I say this to myself and all my friends all the time. Um, try to just have fun with it. Get weird, get messy. You know, the joy, kind of the material thing I knit. And like, even with knitting, you can undo your knitting, right? You can pull apart a sweater. You can only do that so much before you destroy the yarn. Writing, you can do that as often as you want. You could save every single draft and have a document that's like novel draft 4,806 have do weird things have fun make your character I don't know have a scene with her like on the toilet how does she pee have a scene with her punching someone in the face is she you know is she a lefty like just enjoy it have fun with it art is meant to be fun I think writing is a very weird animal in that there are some very very big rich famous intellectual writers um and so it kind of puts this seed in the zeitgeist that there's a pressure to be that or that there's a potential to become that I've never met a weaver or a knitter who got into it for the money or the fame or the prestige so I I take my cues from craftsmen and artists and different modalities because no weaver is like oh yeah I'm definitely gonna be I don't I can't even name a famous weaver you know but I just have fun enjoy it it's your book you know have life is short make art you enjoy let it be messy let the cat crawl onto your laptop Casey uh my closing thoughts are brief um I always like to remind myself you can't edit a blank page and when in doubt set something on fire in the story just in the story yeah <laughs> or a small fire in your fireplace that could work um, <laughs> Aaron you know I uh, we were kind of talking about this before we started the um the actual zoom um you know all of us who have been published it's not that we've only written that one book or four books or however many it is we have a lot of other ones that never saw the light of day so after I wrote my first two books I wrote two more that didn't sell. And that was like, oh, I don't know, 10 years of my life. Um, and at that point, you know, I could have just thrown in the towel. Um, but I kept going because I'm I'm a writer and and I write, you know. Um, yeah. and actually what I had we were just saying don't reach out to non-writers for advice, but I did. I reached out to a friend of mine and he said, why don't you write some short stories? Because uh, this novel thing isn't working out for you. <laughs> so I kind of did that. I just wrote these like little stories. And then like, I noticed like they, they had a sort of similar through line. I started knitting them together. And then it was like a linked story collection. And then it was a novel in stories. And then I showed it to another friend and she said, oh, Aaron, it's a novel. Just call it a novel. So, you know, I sort of tricked my way into writing the, and then it ended up being my, my third book, Nirvana is here, which got published. So, you know, anything that tricks your brain, totally fine. And just know, you know, if you're feeling like imposter or failure, we are right here with you. We have all felt that way. And so join the community. If you feel like a failure, you are probably a writer.
<laughs> Absolutely. I've always thought that anyone that doesn't suffer from imposter syndrome is probably an asshole. Okay? That would be my last word. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's get to the play. And I hope everyone uh, has enjoyed our session and is able to get back to their writing desk this morning and have an excellent writing day. Thank you. There is no